0: When I first started writing, I figured science fiction was just science fiction pew pew lasers that's it. you know I was I was told afterward by some reviewers that that is not the case. that's a, it's like a gradient. like the, it yeah. goes from hard to light sci-fi right And I put science fantasy at that light end of the, the whole gradient. Do you
1: love science fiction and fantasy books? You found yourself in the right dimension. Welcome to The Greatest Podcast in the Multiverse, where each week I talk to science fiction and fantasy authors about myth, magic, and the infinite possibilities of storytelling. I am your host, Herman Stoernegel, and I will be taking you on a journey with some of your favorite authors, helping you to get to know them and possibly uncover some new literary gems along the way. Ready to explore? Because on this show, every conversation is a doorway into a different world. Welcome to Episode 9 of The Greatest Podcast in the Multiverse. How are we already halfway through September? I feel like I've just gotten used to summer being over, and uh, and now we're two weeks into September already, uh, which is just crazy to me. But hopefully things are going well with you. Today I am chatting with author T.A. Bruno, who is the author of several science fantasy books, including his most recent release, down below beyond. We talk about his history in the film industry, how that has helped him to craft a better story, and as well we take a deep dive into the world that he has crafted. I don't have much for a personal update this week. I've been trying to get things ready for the launch of my book Chimera, which is happening in two weeks, as well as Resurgence, which is happening in November. I don't know why I decided that launching two books back-to-back was a great idea, but here we are, and I feel like um, this is... My Resurgence will be my ninth release and I feel like every release I forget how much work it actually is to get things ready. Um, I realized this last week that I hadn't even gotten the blurb done for Resurgence, which is one of the most important things to do. So I put that together and I got that to my cover designer so that he could add it to my paperback and hardcover books uh, so I could get ready for those to go on pre-order. So I got that done they're ready to go and uh, you should be seeing pre-orders available for resurgence Uh, if they're not up already they will be soon sometimes the hardcover takes a week or so uh, but the paperback should be up already Um, i've also been trying to put together a social media marketing campaign for chimera Uh, so i've just been getting a lot of things ready for launch and that has really been taking up all of my time uh it's going to be a steady grind for me from here until november when resurgence launches but Um, This is what we sign up for when we decide to become independently published authors. It's a lot of work. It's not just writing the book. It's doing everything else that a publishing house would would take care of you if you were traditionally published. Um, So that's the marketing, that is getting all the promo ready, uploading the files, doing all the tech things on the Amazon side and on um, the other online platforms as well. But. I am really excited for the next month of the podcast. I have some amazing guests scheduled. Over the next month, I have some great interviews that I've lined up. I've done a number of them already, and a couple more that are coming that I can't wait to share with you guys. But today, uh, we kick off with our guest, T.A. Bruno. So let me read his bio and then we'll get started with the interview. T.A. Bruno grew up in a suburb south of Chicago and moved to the Los Angeles area to pursue a career in the film industry. Since then, he has brought stories to life for over a decade as a pre-vis artist. At home, he is the proud father of two boys and a husband to a wonderful wife. He wrote his first trilogy of novels in the early 2020s, The Song of Camaria. The Song of Camaria includes the books In the Orbit of Sirens, On the Winds of Quasars, and At the Threshold of the Universe. Let's jump to the interview hello and welcome again to the greatest podcast in the multiverse i am super happy today to have with me ta bruno welcome here tom
0: thank you for having me it's good to be here i'm,
1: <laughs> I'm really happy to have you here um, tom why don't you uh kick us off here and just tell us a little bit about yourself and your writing journey
0: sure uh so i'm as Herman has said, "I am T A Burno, uh, or Tom, if you just want to call me Tom. I only changed it because there's another guy named Tom Bruno, and I didn't want to step on his toes. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, I am a writer of science fiction. Uh, I've written four books, starting with the in the or um, with the Song of Kamaria trilogy, which is in the Orbit of Sirens, on the Winds of Quasars, and at the Threshold of the Universe. And I just published a standalone that's kind of like loosely connected. You don't need to read that." Trio to understand it, called Down Below Beyond, uh, and I've been doing this since I want to say I started in like 2018 or so, uh, but I didn't publish in the Orb of the Sirens until about 2020, uh, which was hilarious because it features like a big like uh, a lung affecting virus, and I had no idea what would happen in 2020. So I was like, a lot of people were like, oh, you wrote a book with that, and then I'm like, I I had. <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway, uh, But yeah, and uh, I work in the film industry. Um, so that is my, my real life job. Uh, and I kind of just I've always wanted to write a story. Um, and for a long long time, some people may uh, have heard this before. but like I was going to make what in the orbit of sirens be- eventually became was originally going to be like a five minute animated short. And as I'm making it, I got like four and a half minutes into the thing. It's, it's almost done. And right as I was at the finish line, I'm like, you know, this is, story isn't complete. And I, and I have way more story to tell. So I started outlining. And then, you know, lo and behold, eventually you have a, three, a threesome of books, you know, like it's, so it's, <laughs> and it's all there. And it was, you know, started just with like trying to do it the way I thought I should. And then I'm like, no, I'm just going to buckle down and write, uh, yeah. and I'm very happy with it. It seems like people really like it, and it, you know, it came out better than I hoped for. I never thought I'd get three out, let alone four, uh, let alone two. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like it's one of those like you write one, you're like, I'm going to try this thing. It sounds very hard. Not a lot of people I know have done it, and then yeah. you do it, and you're like, whoa, cool, I did it, and then I did it three more times, <laughs> and you can't, so you can't I can't stop. You know, yeah, now, yeah. yeah, now I'm stuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like ah oh, crap, now I got to keep writing. <laughs> awesome. No, I think, well, I I think very much uh,
1: Yeah, that's good. I think a lot of people are very happy about that. Um you mm-hmm. know, I've you know, I when I was looking for um you know, guests, your name continued to pop up. So I think a lot of people cool. are really happy with with the books that you write. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. Um, about, especially about your latest release, but um, you know, first, of, you know, it sounds like you really had a background in storytelling before you started the writing thing. Um, what was kind of your first foray into storytelling? And you know, did you think that you'd be writing novels before you kind of started out with Orbit of Sirens and got into that process after you created the short?
0: Um, so it's it's interesting. For some reason, I've always thought I was going to write at least one book in my life. And, you know, as a kid, it kind of felt like, a, oh, I got to really climb all the way up this like kind of impossible ladder and really direct myself into that field. And so, it, which I was not doing, you know, I was, I was very art focused, um, although I did great in all of my literature and English classes. So, and I loved reading as a kid uh, and I would write little comic books and stuff, but I always thought that I couldn't, there's no way I had what it took to write a book, you know? So as you said, I did. I do have a storytelling uh, background, but it wasn't in writing for a long, long time just because I didn't really trust myself with that, uh, uh, which is funny in hindsight now. But like <laughs> back then, I was like, no, there's no way, uh, you know, writers go to, they, you know, they have to go to Harvard or some fancy school or something like that. There's no way. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, I, I started looking, I started actually reading some self-pub books uh, and I'm like, wait, no, you could just, you can self-pub now. Uh, and so my thought process was like, okay, I'll, I will write something for me and then it will be real. And that's all that matters. You know, if no one buys it, I don't care, you know? And so, you know, I went from writing little comic books and I still got them. They're on my shelf back here. Uh, you know, they're from, they start as far back as third grade. And then there were some I did in high school. And then there was a few I tried in college actually, which are, still kind of cool like graphically and all those kind of morphed into what eventually became in the urban sirens um but yeah so when i started my career in the film industry i work in layout previs um previsualization is the long version of the word but it just does not roll off the tongue very well um and it is basically all storytelling so we basically take a you know an idea uh for a big budget action sequence or something i've worked on a lot of uh you know some of the marvel movies um i currently work for dreamworks at the moment it's kind of the same deal except it's animation now so we do what i call the talkie bits too Uh, but anyway we take an idea that's kind of rough and they're like okay we want something cool to happen uh but within that it needs to be story based so we will, you know, go like, okay, well, what story do we want to tell? How do we still tell that visually? How do we tell it quickly and effectively and entertainingly, you know? And so for a while, I'm like, this is starting to build my brain up with like a lot of information of like how to effectively tell a story mm-hmm. and quickly, you know, like with a good pacing. Um, and, you know, I also we also worked directly with a lot of big directors and stuff. So we got to kind of pick their brains a little bit. About like, oh, how does, you know, like I worked on Ready Player One, so Spielberg, you know, like, oh, what is he trying to say here? Whose perspective are we following? You know, why are we following it? Why do we do certain things, not other things? Uh, and it was like, you know, towards the end of that, I'm like, I I feel like I can do this now, you know? Mm, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so and then. Uh, as I think that answered your question. I might have side railed it. I, <laughs> That's okay.
1: I'm not, sure. um, I'm not even sure if you answered my question either, but that was really cool. So <laughs> <laughs> I hope that was our <laughs> So you know what's so what is your what's your part in all of that? Are you writing are you writing scenes? Are you kind of just kind of structurally putting things together? How does what does that look from your side of things when you're working on these? Oh cars? yeah, yeah.
0: Um so uh as far as like the actual pen and paper writing and stuff, no, not at all. <laughs> uh so it's really um but we take so how do i how is the best way to describe this it sounds weirder than it is you know like everybody thinks uh oh making a movie it's a well-oiled machine or whatever it's not <laughs> it's like farming with cats you know like every it's okay. a miracle that a movie gets made but uh <laughs> you know it, well, uh here's a typical how it used to be a uh, dreamworks is a little more structured because it's animated so it kind of has to be a little more locked in by the time we get it it's uh, storyboarded out and we even get a lot of the okay. real voice actors a lot of the time um, but if we take it back a step to the earlier part of my career and what I was doing when I first wrote In the Orbit of Sirens sorry uh, I it, some of it was like cool action scene and this happens in it you know that's it so there is no dialogue there is no uh, it, there's nothing except like this needs to be cool and no one has seen it before <laughs> so so from there it's like okay so what's the story we want to tell we got to really buckle in on that you know and then like okay okay, so if uh, i'm gonna use just characters you know if captain america has to do this then okay if we want him to we want to show a few things that he can do while he does this and then he learns this by the end of it you know kind of thing so we're doing it but yeah i'm not actually writing anything down it's all just uh, very much like telling a story v- visually for the most part. And I, I feel like that kind of flowed into how my action scenes work a lot. A lot of people yeah. are like, oh, yeah, it's like a movie, you know, and I just kind of treat it same way. Every sentence right. is a shot, you know, it's, a, it's just the way, and it's fast, and every sentence leads to the end of the fight and furthering the plot at the same time. So, right, okay. Yeah.
1: yeah, cool. <laughs> So, you know, and just to, I, I've heard you speak a little bit about your background a little bit, but for our listeners that maybe haven't, can you let us know um, maybe some of the projects you have worked on? Because you've got quite oh, an sure. impressive backlist. <laughs> oh, Thank you.
0: I'm, I appreciate that. Uh, I have worked. Uh, so I've been working since about 2011. Uh, and it's funny because you think you're going to remember every single thing you worked on, but you don't. Yeah, there's going to be things that slip through uh but the first movie i ever worked on i i grew up in sh- near chicago uh in a suburb uh south of it and uh what was funny is i was you know just kind of i had just graduated college for film and animation uh and i was looking for jobs and i st- i was i uh, had just done some tv work uh for a place and now i was like okay i'll Apply more things and I thought that was just going to be my life every two weeks it was going to be something different uh, eventually I applied for a Maya generalist for a project called Autumn Frost to which I'm like All right sound kind of like a stripper but you know <laughs> it's, it's like cool whatever I'll do whatever uh, I get you know the call up and they're like okay so this is going to be the new Superman movie uh, directed by Zack Snyder and I'm like oh okay very yeah. I'm like so what do I have to do with that <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, like, like, I just applied to be a Maya generalist. I'm like, and then they're like, oh, it's pre uh And I didn't know what that was until literally they showed me on my first date working for them, being paid for that. And then I was just like, oh, yeah, I get what that is. <laughs> you know, I just kind of <laughs> faked it a little bit. Yeah, think um, it's you made But anyways, it. yeah, a little. I mean, I was already made it. But now it's like, okay, now pretend like you knew ahead. But just yeah. learn very, very quickly. <laughs> You know? uh, but anyway, so yeah, first project was Man of Steel, um, you know, and then there, cool. I had also worked on 42 with Chadwick Boseman after that. Uh, that was after I moved to L.A. And then, you know, I kind of mm-hmm. started getting regular work uh, for a couple different. Well, it was one bit studio at a time, uh, but, you know, I've kind of stayed wherever I am for years or whatever. Anyway, so it worked at 42 with Chadwick Boseman. Uh, we did some of the Marvel movies like Captain America Winter Soldier uh guardians of the galaxy i have them all on my shelf i would turn around and look at it and do it but i think that would affect (laughs) Uh, um but anyway uh uh what else uh black panther uh which was kind of cool because i had worked with on you know uh 42 and then now black panther oh cool i get to see chad work again and uh um you know and what else oh boy Anyway, now, uh, the more later stuff, uh, that I've been working on recently. I, I, recently had done the new Puss in Boots movie. Um, I also did, uh, Trolls 2. I was not part of Trolls 3, though, because uh, I'm busy with something else that I cannot talk about. Okay. Um, and I, th- I think that's the great, oh, a Ready Player one I had mentioned. That was a fun one. Yeah. Uh, and I think those are the greatest hits, and I'm sure I'm leaving one out that, you know, I feel a little bad about, but. Yeah, that's
1: fine. That's fine. It gives us a great sense of you know of the the breadth of projects you've worked on, and you know you've talked a little bit about it already. But you you know with your experience in with those type of films, how does that influence your writing?
0: Oh yeah, Uh, so from that smorgasbord you got a little sampler. Um, Most of those are action heavy book or movies, sorry, Uh, and uh, so that has affected greatly how I tell action scenes and pacing um, and movies in general, I think has affected my pacing. I, I, am very thankful that a, a lot of readers who have left feedback have said like the pacing is great. Like it's breakneck, but not like, you know, scary. <laughs> it's not <laughs> like, uh, you know, too much at once. It's it, I, I like that. They like the pacing. Um, I try to keep it entertaining the entire time. And I, I, I do get knocked sometimes for not having overly flou- flowery, language um but that's just because i don't know how to write that stuff <laughs> you know so it's, like, it's very kind of clinical and fast and effective but keeping it entertaining and fun um and it, yeah and it, as you see in a lot of those movies are also there's a little bit of fun element to them so i try to you know even if it gets heavy in spots, I'm still going to try and lighten it just a little bit. Not so forced as some of the Marvel stuff, not to knock on that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I still try to like inject a little bit of life and humor into some of the even heavier stuff. Uh, right. But, yeah, and just uh, overall, how do characters, a lot of my characters will develop through actions. Like, I might not tell you exactly what happened but if you go back and or if you even if you're reading it you, you'll probably catch on it hopefully uh i hope i hope to convey it uh is that you know they're with the things they're doing are kind of the answer to their mentality and what's going on within them so yeah okay
1: has it, yeah no that's great like has it influenced the way you look at story structure at all and while you're developing the overall plot arc
0: yes i would say so um And it's weird because, you know, you work on a movie and it's going to be at most two and then sometimes three hours lately. Uh, (laughs) You know, so you got to cram a lot into a short amount of time and you also have to convey a lot quickly. And that's where you get a lot of the like tropes that people are kind of tired about um, where uh, uh, I can't think of a specific example, but you get that. I I understand that part of it. and, And as a reader, Um, I'm like, okay, well, how do I take what makes the flow of a movie work but also make it big and expansive enough uh, to, like, fill a novel, you know? Uh, And so I I try to – I know where I'm starting and I know where I'm ending, and I will try to outline ahead of time. But I know a lot of the time I kind of, like, I'll do the outline knowing, okay, this is a story. It's got a beginning, middle, end. It's got some cool stuff. But I have to also figure it out as I'm writing it. Uh, and I think there was Neil Gaiman, uh, the, the masterclass he did where, you know, your first draft is like a grenade going off. And then the <laughs> second draft is where you pick up all the pieces and try and see what survived or you pretend like right. you know what you were doing the whole time. Uh, and it's a little bit like that where I have this I, I, I get how a story works and like what makes characters likable, you know, stuff like that. But I need to inject it throughout a longer storytelling form. Uh, Gotcha. And yeah. So, yeah, movies have helped. But reading has also helped a lot more, I feel like. Um, And I just kind of try to microburst what I know about entertaining movies into long form. So
1: Right. That's that's great. That's uh, quite a perspective to have, because I know even for myself watching movies, obviously, you kind of get it's a quick way to digest some of those beats but mm-hmm. you don't get a lot of the depth that you do in a book. That's why people say right. the book's always better than the movie, right? Because you oh, can yeah. get, you know, you get inside the character's head, you get a little bit more of the depth, but, but mm. where movies excel, you get those beats and you kind of get the the structure for moving a plot along and, yes. you know, what the reader's expecting at each stage of the story.
0: For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I try to like make, <laughs> make a beast, that's like both, you know, or it's 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 got that, you know, those microburst really fun, entertaining Hollywood crap in it. And, and then it's yeah. also got long form, you know, oh, broader picture kind of cool stuff. So Absolutely. actually, you know, uh, some of the objective with uh, the Song of Kamaria trilogy was to take uh, what I like about classic sci fi and not only kind of modernize it, but kind of like inject action and modern hollywood kind of stuff into it and i know the hollywood's kind of a bad word to use but you know what i mean or or it's got like oh big visual effect you know cool set piece stuff that you know back then they thought it was just cool to go up into space that's it period (laughs) you know so now we got we we think what is cool is a lot different so i tried to take like oh okay well i like the element of exploration from old stuff uh, gotcha. but I also want to make it really, really exciting, and really cool for a modern audience. And so uh, hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> or you know, it's just like, Definitely. I'm just trying to make it cool again, you know? Like, But it still has that old, yeah. it's got a little bit of an aftertaste of a classic sci-fi novel, so. Right,
1: yeah, because like you said, the classic sci-fi was a lot about exploration, discovering new mm-hmm. places, discovering new species, and that sort of thing. And But a lot of it was really slow-moving and kind of dry because it was mm-hmm. just a lot about the... The process of getting there that you know is it was about the it was about the imagination but it wasn't necessarily the action movies that are big right now like the marvel movies and that sort of thing so if you're injecting the wonder of that discovery with the action beats of a of a movie then i think that is what you're aiming for is what it sounds like to me
0: oh yeah yeah nailed it (laughs) perfect (laughs) and it seems to work (laughs) yeah I'm glad because, as I, you know, it, it, you know it, as a writer, and I, you're probably like this too. You want to write for you, right? You know, mm-hmm. like you write for at least I, I do it. I write for myself, and then I hope everyone else likes. <laughs> you for know, sure. and and turns out if you do that, you might. You're probably going to find the people that are like just like you have been starving for something like this. You know, absolutely. And, there you go. Yeah, and you know, as writers
1: too, we spend so much time with our manuscripts that I think if you don't like it, you're just torturing yourself. Because <laughs> yes. I mean, and it's like who is supposed with... to
0: like this? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I
1: mean, because you're sitting with a manuscript for months, years, sometimes, right? So you know, if you don't like it, then then it's not worth doing. I think
0: right yeah it's, it's a, or it's time to like really inject something else into it to like okay how do i make myself like this? so far exactly, i haven't exactly. done that but i'm you know four books in it's bound to happen <laughs> at some point like if fifth book sixth book, i don't know but it, it's bound to happen to me <laughs> yeah but no that's a good point though too because if you're working on a manuscript
1: and you find yourself and i've and i have found this where i'm like you know i'm just not feeling the story and it's usually because there's an element that should be happening, you're missing a beat mm. or something like that. To so that you really have to kind of take a look at what is this what what is the story lacking and why isn't it working? Why am I not enjoying it at this time? And sometimes it's just stepping back and looking at other stories and not necessarily looking at stories for specific ideas, but just in ingesting stories. And sometimes mm-hmm. your brain just snaps and it's like, no, you need this is what it needs. And it yes. might just be completely unrelated to anything that I've watched or read at that moment. But um, I find that the brain kind of picks up on what the story is actually missing if you just kind of step back for a minute.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and it, I think that's like the best way, um, even if you're writing between books or, you know, like you're between two books you've read, written and you want to write another one or anything, just like exposing yourself to everything, whether it be movies, video games whatever. Eventually that itch is going to come back and you're like, man, I could write a story a little like this, but I would do it this way, you know, very different. I mean, even Down Below Beyond, the the book I just released, I had listened to the audiobook for Gateway by Frederick Pohl, and I'm like, oh, I like the idea of... They they use the word prospectors as well, but I, I took it a very different direction. But it was just that switch in my head that I'm like, okay, I like the idea of people gambling their lives to you know for some kind of score and they don't know you know it's very dangerous they could die at any moment doing it and that kind of thing and that you know just reading that and i'm like okay and then it's almost like a different path you know i just went Mm -hmm. this way with it and they went a very different way with it and that's i think that's like how a lot of great stories are written where it's just like oh that's a cool idea but what if we did this (laughs) you know yeah exactly yeah. yeah
1: Pulling, um, pulling inspiration from those who went before us, right? And you know, so you touched on definitely two topics there. I wanna get deeper into. First of all, I'd like to know some of the other authors that have inspired you and what pieces of them have really, have you pulled into your
0: works? Oh yeah. Uh, well, as I mentioned, "Gateway" by Frederick Pohl was a big one for specifically down below beyond, and a little bit of uh, uh, actually "The Count of Monte Cristo" by Alexander Dumas, uh, it, only because that's a great like friends to enemies kind of you know plot line. So I and I I've always just loved that. I never actually I'll admit I never actually read the book, uh, but the okay. movie that was made in like the early two thousands where it was fantastic.
1: Uh,
0: anyway, yeah, story. It's funny. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's funny. I've had someone, I can't remember who else I was talking to about that story lately. Oh. And that seems very <laughs> random. But they it's, were saying I mean, that it's the, a classic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they were saying the book actually, the, they were saying the movie was horrible compared to the book. So it might oh, be worth well. it going back and checking out the book. I haven't, I read the, I believe I read the book, but it was, you know, in university. It was a long time ago. But yeah, uh, but yeah I, it's just funny
0: that I, you mentioned that. I have it, but it's gigantic. <laughs> it I'm a little bit of a slow reader, so and I liked the movie as a kid. I think it hit me at like the right time. I'm like swords, cool, yeah, yeah. I was a kid. When it came out. Cool. Anyway, so yeah. uh, that's a little bit of one. Um, I also am a big fan of Werner Vinge, um, and the uh, "A Fire Upon the Deep" and "A Deepness in the Sky." Those might be my two favorite books. And uh, okay. there's a little bit of like what he does with his aliens. I thought it was it was kind of like a very enlightening reading experience because i'm like oh i i like the way that there's familiar aspects to them but they are still very much not human you know and uh, uh that kind of blew my mind as far as that goes oh, what else hold on let me just turn around real quick yeah, no <laughs> oh the foundation trilogy by isaac asimov although i cannot watch the new tv show it just i tried no. and it's just not the same i all power to people that like that stuff <laughs> but the books were fantastic uh, and Neuromancer is another good one, uh, William Gibson, uh, which I have not read anything else by him because he, he's a little difficult to read, uh, yeah. but I just clicked with Neuromancer a lot, and I don't know why. Uh, and yeah, I think those are my biggest ones, but there's a lot of – there's some n- newer authors as well, which, I like I said, I, it, again, I w- wanted to take what I like about classic novels and then inject some modern – you know, elements into him. And so sure. there's the space between worlds, uh, but my Johnson, that was, uh, and I, I don't know if I got her name right. <laughs> I apologize, but that was an excellent okay. novel. Uh, yeah. and then same with Adrian Tchaikovsky, uh, elder race. And, you know, the, uh, Children of Time. Sorry, I'm like, you'll, you'll notice I'm looking around. I have literally bookshelves all over my room, so nice. I'm looking at them. Yeah, like, there's same Children here. Children of so. Time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's uh, you know uh, 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 Becky Chambers as well. Uh, one of my favorites, and uh, uh, actually uh, her novella To Be Taught, if fortunate, is one of like my favorite reads that I've read. Oh, really? Uh, it's, okay. it's, it's I haven't really, read that one. Really, really cool. Yeah, and that, that's a big you know like just the way uh I, I forget the word for it but like they change their bodies to suit the environment instead of like using technology to work with the environment i thought that was so cool uh it's got a cool name too and i cannot remember it but you know through that they're also learning a little bit about themselves and stuff like that and yeah just been phenomenal i think those are my yeah those are my top <laughs> Very cool. I'm like Very cool. double checking. There's a lot more, but I can go on all day.
1: <laughs> definitely. No, I mean definitely some modern classics in there as well, so that's that's great. Um so tell me about your latest book and what it is all about.
0: Oh yeah, that thing. Uh <laughs> so it's called <laughs> Down Below Beyond, uh and it's about a guy named Lavort Atra who is a prospector for a uh the Fessinag fleet, uh, and he's tasked with Going down to this kind of a husk ancient world called Teox to just kind of find valuable things, sell them to the fleet. That's his day in day out. Uh, his best friend Bayfo is kind of like his escort, his uh, enforcer escort. Who he's basically kind of like a, uh, for lack of a better term, he's the uh, in, like an enforcement officer for the fleet. But they grew up together, so they're still kind of friends. There's a lot of like you know banter and stuff between them. Um and basically he has to keep an eye on Lavort and this is just how it's always been, until one day Lavort finds something he's not supposed to find uh, and stakes a claim to it, and that leads to a whole bunch of stuff happening that eventually makes him pretty much like the most wanted man in load space. Um and therefore adventure (laughs) ensues.
1: So and what and you talked a little bit about it already, but what was the inspiration behind the book?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like I said, uh, uh, I won't go back over, but Gateway by Frederick Pohl yeah. was a big, big one. Uh, but yeah. I also just I have always wanted to write like a like a book that I, I <laughs> a minor spoiler. It is a friends to enemies uh, type story. Um, and I've I've always wanted to write that, but I wasn't ready before the Song of Kamar. So I'm like, yeah. OK, I think now I'm ready. I think I can pull this off. And, uh, I, you know, it kind of taps into some of my own personal experiences of just like what is a real friend? What is a toxic friendship? Uh, like Befo, the entire book, uh, uh, it's a little subtle at first, but he's never cool to Lavort. <laughs> like it might, it comes out, it's played to you that way, you know, like it's played in a way that's like, oh, they're friends. They're going to a thing that they used to do all the time. But if you look into it, you're like, oh, Lavort always hated this thing, you know, and Befo mm-hmm. knows that. You know, kind of stuff like that. So there, it's a right. toxic friendship. Uh, and I, a lot of people have had those, I, I, myself included. Um, and if anyone's watching, is it me? Is it? <laughs> yeah. Was it me? Was it me? Then? Uh, no, no. Uh, but it was a long, long time ago. But um, uh, yeah, so I wanted to write a story that kind of like was sci-fi and very sprawling. There's a portal element to this. Uh, not dimensions, just being able to travel between different planets and stuff like that. Um, And I wanted to just kind of build a new playground, too, to potentially write a lot more stories in. So I built this thing. uh, I used something from the Song of Kamaria, but this would be set like thousands of years after that. Um, Humans are a little scarce in this whole setup. uh, And it's kind of a conglomeration of worlds called load space that's all kind of ruled by the Fessinag fleet. But there's a grander element to it. That's uh, these things called the Voyalton have built big, big portals uh, that can kind of take you to any world they've been to. That said, it was cool to put a portal there. So they go to okay. they go to many, many worlds. Some worlds are like, no, don't don't do that. <laughs> and they're like, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, they leave. Uh, but anyway, it's it's a place. So and a, the smaller element of that is load space, where just this Besnog fleet has kind of created a trade empire between, like, I want to say, thirteen or fourteen different worlds. Um, but our buddy, our guy, Lavort, he actually goes to, uh, you know, he's stuck on Teox for a long long time, but he finds this thing that allows him to travel to all these different planets. I think you go to like, I want to say like 14 worlds in Down Below Beyond. I never actually officially counted. <laughs> uh, it, you know, some of them are very brief. Like there's a couple that are like a sentence long. He's just there for, you know, okay. just a brief shot, you know, kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about the worlds a little bit. Um, You know, you have 14 different worlds. Um, How did you create the world that, or the universe that this was in? And how did you come up with the ideas for these different worlds? Were they just kind of on the fly? Did you have specific reasoning for each of the different planets that you created?
0: Oh yeah. Um, So a lot of them kind of come from uh, just what inspires me about old classic sci-fi um, now, a lot of them do seem kind of one note because, like I said, you're, you're there very briefly. I also tried to keep this novel kind of short because my other novels were uh, they're not super long. They're like 500 pages, which is fine, you know, uh, but I wanted to keep this one closer to 300 or so. And I think it's like 350. Anyway, um, the worlds, though, uh, are all different worlds that I thought I, I usually start with, like, what interests me about Earth? You know, because that's where I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> it's where most people grew up. Really? Uh, anyway, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, anyway, but you know, so uh, for instance, like Old Faithful, the you know, cool geyser, the the way that uh, the minerals and sulfur work around that, you get like yellow and like deep blues and stuff like that. So I took just that idea, or something like that, right, and then I make Vanspar, which is a world that's covered, and I'm like, what is also. Something I have not seen. Well, a world of boiling water would be really, really cool. You know, where it's like constantly thermal vents, you know, small rocky islands, but then really, really deep, cold caves on the inside. Um, Which, you know, I don't think scientifically that could totally work, but we're working with sci-fi fantasy. Yay. Uh, Like, Please allow a a little bit of fiction in this science fiction. Um, But anyway, it's, you know, stuff like that where I just wanted to like take worlds, but make them surprising. You know, uh, uh, there's also a big one called bloom, which is just, um, you know, a, all the surface area of bloom is covered in little wildflowers. And the biggest thing that lives on there is like a grasshopper, you know, like it's not mm-hmm. sentient. It's just a bug. It's like a very, a world that nobody should really see, but it's beautiful, you know? And, uh, right. you know, just the fact that the whole thing is covered in flowers and even a little bit of the moon nearby, you could see flowers from a distance on it. Uh, you know, very, very, you know, far back. But, uh, then some of them came from like, okay, I started with the aliens, uh, that would live there. And then I'm like, okay, well, what kind of environment would that thing like, you know? Um, so let's see, uh, oh, we have these things called the fluctins which are kind of like seals. Um, and they, they got like kind of a seal looking body, uh, for lack of a better term. And they're great at being underwater. So they come from a world that's mostly underwater, but it has big areas of giant cities, uh, but they're also technologically advanced and they know that, okay, we're, you know, we're part of this trade network. we got to be able to go to other places. So they use these things mm. called flit skippers to just kind of like walk around. They're like kind of spider legs with arms and stuff. So it's like a seal with like goggles and stuff and little, like a little robot and can like kind of manipulate it with its face and flippers and stuff like that. Stuff like that. Uh, and so, yeah. So sometimes it was like, oh, cool thing I know about real world biology or, uh, Geography, sorry, uh, and uh, oh, and then sometimes it would start with alien first. Cool, where does it live? You know, kind of thing. Right. So and it was fun Great the whole fun. time. I was just, yeah I, yeah. I spent a lot of time just brainstorming with my friends, like, oh, you know, like let's let's come up with an alien together. I uh, uh, two awesome. of my friends, Maria and Jason, helped me make up two of the aliens, and then we just built worlds around them too. And I was awesome. it was fun. Yeah, we tried to make I yeah, tried to it make it like, as fun as possible the whole time.
1: <laughs> definitely so. sounds like you had a ton of fun writing
0: mm-hmm. it. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) So you, so you touched a little bit on, you mentioned it uh, briefly. I'd like to just dig a little bit deeper into it. Um, Science fantasy. What is science Mm. fantasy and how does, how is it different from science fiction?
0: Ah, yes. Uh, So it's funny. Uh, When I first started writing, I figured science fiction was just science fiction. Pew, pew lasers. That's it. You know, I was i was told <laughs> afterward by some reviewers that that is not the case that's a, it's like a gradient you know like i feel like the, yeah. it goes from hard to light sci-fi right and i put science fantasy at that light end of the the whole gradient right um and it, whereas hard sci-fi would be something more like the expanse you know uh where it's mili- a lot of military sci-fi falls into hard sci-fi where it's got a you know a lot more reality to it right science fantasy and light fantasy we're gonna have uh for lack of a better term more fun you know like we're just gonna like play with it might not happen and there might be no physical way this could ever happen like for uh or no that would be a spoiler i won't do that um but <laughs> the, to bring it to some everybody knows star wars is science fantasy even dune is science fantasy because it just, you know, has... Which is interesting because it doesn't feel like it. And then you're like, well, sand yeah. Sandworms. You know, worms can't. Sand doesn't work like that.
1: <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> stuff,
0: you could pick it apart like crazy, but, uh, you know, at the same time, it's... Uh, and then, you know, the Mentats and, and the way spaceships work and Spice and all that. It, it actually pulls it into science fantasy. Star Wars, you got laser swords, uh, zappy guns, the Force, you know, kind of stuff like that. Same with... Uh, mine are still... There's science fantasy, uh, but I would still put them a little edged out of what Star Wars is. Um, because okay. I do try to give you a little bit of that, like, okay, this could happen in reality. You know, like, uh, uh, the way spaceships kind of work. It, it works okay. the same. You know, like, I try to keep that real. And, you know, when they're up in space and they're not on anything that's specific, they might be in zero gravity and, you know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I, I understand how, like... Newtonian physics and stuff work, but I try to keep that as light as possible, but it is there uh, sometimes yeah. <laughs> depending on the book. Like I said, down below beyond less so uh, cause I just wanted to go nuts. You know, I wanted to just have a fun as uh, sci-fi adventure romp, you know, through the galaxy. There's a lot of uh, somebody described them as rubber suited aliens. Like they are people <laughs> at a movie set wearing just a rubber. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, sure. Some of them are. I mean, there's one that's like right. a giant tick, uh, like a bug, you know, that definitely could not be a dude in this... a <laughs> suit, but like, right. uh, uh, for the most part, yeah, we're having fun here. You know, like they, would they yeah. all evolve that way? No, not at all. Uh, yeah. Uh, my song of Kamaria trilogy is a little bit harder about that stuff. Um, like I use what I know about biology and stuff like that. And I try to ground it a little bit more. Um, so I would put that as like a slightly r- harder version of sci-fi than what Down Below is. Um, But yeah, no, but I I don't have the, the, uh, what should the, intelligence (laughs) to actually do like a hard sci-fi. I'm just not smart enough. I don't want to (laughs) be, I don't want to pretend to be smart enough. I would rather not insult somebody by pretending to sound smart (laughs) than, than, so I'm like, just screw it. Go for fun. Let's have fun. As long as I don't write, you know, like, uh, uh, Batman versus Superman in space. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've done an okay job. I'm not insulting anybody. It's not mindless or anything.
1: It's just fun. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily about intelligence as it is about research, because I think a lot of the hard sci-fi fans are very particular about their details. And I'm the same way. I'm not, you know, my series, uh, my latest series, it's not that, I wouldn't call it fantasy, but it's not hard sci-fi either. I try Mm. to have some, you know, reasonable explanations for things, but there's some things like, artificial gravity which just there's no hard science for that right now but it really is hard to move the plot along if you don't have artificial gravity so there's (laughs) some hand waving in there but it's like you know it's light sci-fi so i i totally get you on the you know not wanting to go down the andy weir route where there's or the expanse route where you know things are there's calculations in there that oh, yeah. I don't understand. Exactly. <laughs> they and they do the it so well. It. I don't want to, I want to step do. on their toes.
0: I'd rather yes. just, I love reading that. I just know. Yeah. I, it's like one of those frustrating things. Where it's like, Oh, I love this. I cannot write that. <laughs> <Yeah>. There's no <laughs> way I don't have a degree in it. I don't know how it works, but I get that he knows how it works. <laughs> you know? And yes, that's important. Exactly. To me, I
1: suppose. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same way. I'm definitely not that, nerdy to to go down that route. Yes. <laughs> but I do enjoy reading it.
0: <laughs> yes, and it, it, there's no no, this is no shade on any of that. I love that stuff. No, absolutely, <laughs> I know I use absolutely. the words fun, and I use the words like, oh yeah, and I, I kind of describe that as, but oh man, it's one of those like, wish I could do it. No, I can't. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Project Hail Mary. I think was it's my favorite read of the year so far, for sure. And there's a lot of hard science in there that I would never be able to replicate. So I definitely appreciate it. But oh yeah, me and my dad read that one
0: actually. You know, actually, that's the funny thing. My dad loves hard sci-fi, and he really and a lot of people that love love hard sci-fi. Just don't go for the sci-fi fantasy stuff. They're like, well, yeah. they start thinking too hard about it. My dad, is, my own father is the same way. Uh, but yeah, no, we both read Project Hail Mary. And uh, man, it was it was super fun because we, you know, mm-hmm. call each other or like text each other. Oh, did you get to the end? You know, like, it was super fun. I love that uh, story. And I hear they're making a movie out of it. I don't know how far along. That's it what I've right. heard, too. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard I'm that down. as well. <laughs> I'd love to see Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So,
1: and I was going to ask you too about the reviewers. Have you found that labeling um, the book as science fantasy has that helped kind of with readers' expectations of of where on the spectrum the book belongs? Hard to
0: say. So, I feel like there are people that have picked up my books uh, that were expecting a harder sci fi than I delivered. Uh, um, which, you know, I, I, feel bad cause I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. I try to make it really upfront too. Like in the beginning of down below beyond, he fights a giant crab thing. Like, I hope that sets the tone, you know, and I do that <laughs> in all of them. Like the, within the first five pages is in the oil of of She's talking to a giant talking bird, you know, with a giant hook in its hand or whatever. And I'll, so I try to establish that and I do label them as science fantasy uh, or science fiction fantasy, or whatever. I feel like it changes kind of as I get better at this. I realize I'm wording it wrong. Um, but so I try to do that. But on the flip side, I do feel like I have managed to find an audience that loves fantasy. And wants to dip their toes into sci-fi, but like hasn't found the right book. And a lot of the readers that have done that leap with me have been very happy about it. And I've, I've described it as like a gateway drug to sci-fi, you know, and I kind of do write it in that way. And that I, I blame my mom for that in a good way. This is not a bad thing. Uh, she's often my first beta reader and I do what I call, and she's aware of this is not, no, I do what I call the mom test, right? Where my mom does love fantasy, uh, like Harry Potter, all that stuff. Uh, She did before me. She really did not read sci-fi, but I'm like, but she was kind enough to like help me out, right? And she's got very great. She understands story excellently. Honestly, I probably, maybe I get it from her. Uh, It's genetic, I suppose. Uh, But what's cool is is since she's less of a sci-fi reader, having her go through my book, and I would be like, okay, here's what I'm trying to say. Does it make sense to you? Luckily, most of the time, yes, yes, yes. Uh, but then she is the one, though, that catches like, okay, I didn't get this at all. <laughs> you know, so it's That's like right. that didn't make any sense to me. So then I can uh, then I can take it and reword it. You know, make it a, yeah. a more digestible, you know, kind of thing, or maybe the idea just wasn't working at all. Because I feel like no matter what uh, what happens, whether it be movies or books or anything, whoever's reading it or watching it or playing it, if it's a video game. Uh, whatever their opinion of it is the opinion that matters it doesn't matter what I exactly. do if i yeah. if I feel like oh I meant this but they didn't get that then it doesn't matter you know that's right. what they yeah. got yeah. you can't explain
1: had. to them. Yeah, you can't explain exactly. to them later, right? You're not saying, yeah, saying Hey, I meant this, man. <laughs>
0: yeah. So it's like, nope, nope, doesn't work that way. So whatever they yes. say is what I go with. So luckily I have, you know, my mom and other, be- other beta readers too, uh, where they'll, you know, kind of come in and be like, okay, this worked. This didn't. Actually, what's really funny is on the winds of Quasars, uh, Cade, who's like one of the main characters, right? The first draft that I gave to beta readers, they said, Cade sucks. <laughs> They, they hated him they didn't like him at all they didn't like his arc they didn't like anything he had wow. to say every scene he was in sucked and i'm like oh no he's the main character that i was also going to take into the next book uh so what i did was it, you know it, i feel like there's there's uh a, you could get angry about that and be like no they're wrong you know but i feel like you would be wrong if you did that so i just took it and i'm like okay that's excellent advice, honestly. And I literally went through the entire book. I thought harder about, like, okay, who? Can, how can we make Kate likable? And let's change everything about him. You know? Let's make him a, a guy we want to root for and all that stuff. And literally rewrote yeah. the entire, everything he was in. Luckily, it follows wow. four characters, so he's just one of four. So it wasn't like I rewrote the whole book or anything. But every interaction with him, everything he did, his background, the whole first two chapters, I think, with him in it, Totally changed and stuff. And honestly, the book is way better for it. Um, so it, yes. you know, just having that input. Uh, <laughs> and again, now I'm like, oh god, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yes, right. we're, yeah. We're, oh, reader input. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, and that yeah. would be more like beta reader input. But still, um, you know, it kind of goes down the line of uh, uh, at the the end results is going to be just more readers. Might as well catch that stuff up front. Um, exactly, and that's but, the yeah. point of beta readers, correct? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, how many how many beta readers do you typically use, if you don't mind me asking? So,
0: Oh, yeah. No, no problem. Uh, with the first book, I kind of was, I, I was new, uh, so I didn't really know what to do. I had like 13 people um, and like I, uh, it didn't quite work out. Not all of them made it to the end. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, but they were all very helpful. The ones that kind of actually you know, stepped in and and read and gave a lot of good feedback and stuff like that. Um, Actually, one of them is uh, my, one of my friends from childhood. uh, And he's still a friend now. We're we're really good friends. His dad was actually one of my beta readers. And he was hilarious. Cause like, you know, he, I was his son's friend forever. And uh, so he's reading it and he's leaving little marks. He's like, oh, hey, is this like when you guys were growing up and blah, blah, blah. And stuff like he caught all that stuff. Uh, But anyway, so yeah, with the first book, I used too many beta readers um and uh but it was still helpful i learned a lot and i was also trying to do it via a method that wasn't quite working where i tried to give them it was like homework you know i'd be like oh okay read a chapter then answer these three questions or whatever do not do that in my experience maybe it works for some people but it did not work for me um from what i've now my refined result as of now with down below beyond and even uh, at the threshold of the universe, less so within the winds of quasars, was uh, there's a company called Literary Titan, um, and they offer a beta reading service. Uh, I use them as kind of like a, you don't know me at all. You know, this is good. And they are not always kind. Like I said, the, the whole uh, Cade thing, that mostly came from them being okay. brutally honest, and it was totally good. Um, and it's not too expensive. I, I want to say it's like 80 or $90 for two people oh. to do it um so i'll have those you know random people kind of they'll they'll get them and do the whole thing they give you a whole breakdown it's also kind of up to you after that to understand what is useful what is you know going to work for me what did they you know are they not the right reader sometimes could be it where it's like oh okay he wanted this but i'm not trying to deliver that so that's okay you know kind of stuff just being able to critique yourself upon that critique um and then typically, yeah, mom will be part of it. Uh, and then I'll try and get maybe one or two if, if possible. But it also just depends. Like with In the Orbit of Sirens, uh, it was my first book in that trilogy. So having a big net was fine because uh, everybody was reading it for the first time. When I got to the Winds of Quasars and at Threshold of the Universe, it's like, okay, these they might only read this book. Um, so their input is going to be valuable, but it is going to be, uh, you know, it's not going to be complete. Because they may not right. have gone back and read it, which is funny. Though I have had beta readers go like, "I am reading the rest of this now," <laughs> and I am like, "Oh, cool, all right." That's not that was not the purpose of this, but that's very cool. <laughs> um, and then same with Down Below Beyond, I, I just kind of hired a few, and then had my mom help me out, and then uh, uh, I think one or two friends also helped me out. Just people that you know, if cool. you got friends that understand story, which every one of my coworkers does, uh, you know, it's they they're doing the same thing I am doing, so they understand much about as well as I do. Yeah, um, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and if you, if you got like a good handle on, you know, how story works, you can kind of take it from there, hopefully, you know, Uh, but yeah, it's, it's all, you know, sometimes you just don't know that what's wrong with it. So
1: for sure. Yeah. I, you know, early on, I went the route of the paid reader as reader as well, because I had the same kind of the same problem with my first book. I sent it out to, you know, friends and different people and the feedback I got was not, that helpful yeah <laughs> the, the yeah. limited feedback i got They like did limited, the same yeah yeah because i and i did the same kind of homework thing too because i think i feel like that's the online advice that you get when you're when yeah. you're first starting out and, yeah <laughs> probably the same because person it, <laughs> it, probably probably <laughs> yeah. uh, so you know in creating them. your yeah exactly it works for so, every every um audience is different so it didn't didn't work for mine didn't work right. for yours that's okay. You eventually find a process that works for you and exactly. you stick with yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so, what was the most difficult part in creating the world for your story?
0: Oh, okay. Um, uh, for this one, uh, for Down Below Beyond, it, it kind of flowed very nicely. So that I won't answer for that one because uh, okay. by now I got kind of a good handle on it. And like I said, I kind of took the universe from the Song of Kamaria trilogy. But I would say uh, going back, one thing I like to point out uh, with On the Winds of Quasars and At the Threshold of the Universe specifically, um, there is a deaf community in both of them. And I had reached out to uh, many people in the deaf community and I had a friend of a friend, uh, Treva, uh, help me do deaf consulting. And I learned so much about that community. It is so interesting. It's kind of beautiful too, you know, And I'm grateful that I did it, and it kind of helped me grow not only as a person but as a writer. Um, But having them involved was super fun, uh, super cool, uh, and it makes the book stronger too, which is also always great. Uh, But honestly, even if I wasn't writing a book, I'm so glad I did that. But that input and that research was uh, probably the most difficult part because I was nervous the whole time that I was going to do it wrong. So I, I went way out of my way to make sure I did it right. Uh, and I felt like right. it was important. Um, uh, you know, I wanted to, I just hadn't really seen that in a sci-fi with like a major character. You see it with side characters a lot. Uh, and it's getting more and more, which is cool. I, I think mm-hmm. now when I see it in, in movies, I'm like, Oh, Hey, cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. uh, and it's, it, it's cool because, you know, you see some of the readers that pick up your book and they're like, Oh, I grew up in a family with uh, deaf parents. Or, you know, like they have, uh, uh, you know, just different family members that are deaf or they are deaf. uh, And it's like so cool to hear that they enjoyed seeing that character. It's Nella, by the way, Um, and uh, in those books and that I don't treat it as like a disability. It's just it's the way I had it described was that it's as if they're from a different country and they're just like, uh, you know, kind of a little bit out of uh, their own country and they're just trying to speak with people. So there's a right. little bit of that like a small disconnect, but they function totally gotcha. fine, you know, and it's super, yeah. yeah. And all that was very rewarding, but challenging. Uh, and I I hope I did it justice. If I made any errors, yeah. that's on my end, but you know, had a lot of help but to try and make that- sure that got done right. So,
1: yeah. I mean, it's good that you went to um, to that community to get mm-hmm. that input. I was listening recently to an interview with uh, TJ Klune, who was saying um, similar things about writing, writing from communities that you're not a part of, and making sure that you get input from those communities because you don't oh, yeah. want to, you don't want to input stereotypes into your work that you're not even aware that you have, and mm-hmm. you want to, you want to get a, I want to say legitimate. That's not the word I'm looking for. You you want to get a, a valid perspective from yes. those communities, right? So, oh yeah.
0: And, and the input they had was awesome. It was so, and, and uh, I felt so dumb with some of my first first draft stuff when I first showed. I'm like, so here's an idea. Like, what, so what's wrong with it? I know something's wrong with it, and I know a lot's probably wrong with it. And they, man, they told me, um, and, it was, and I'm glad <laughs> they did. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. But it, uh, it just to with Triva specifically. Uh, she literally went through the whole book and did a Nella pass for that character specifically. And Mm -hmm. it was so cool. Just like, Oh, uh, you know, there's, she's involved in a conversation with two other people. uh, And it's like, Oh, she should probably do this. Or, you know, she would do this or Mm -hmm. would she ask this question now or get her involved here and stuff like that. And it was just great. I almost want to do that for like every character, like just have, somebody like okay you're gonna be Cade you're gonna be Nella you you just read the book and then tell me if they should chime in more you know kind of thing Mm. and it was just so cool uh yeah yeah no that's that's yeah I love that I love that very cool Mm -hmm. um so and then
1: I guess related to that do you have a favorite character is it the same character that's your favorite um in the book
0: that's, so this one's controversial, if you ask me, because not everybody jived with what Bafo is in Down Below Beyond. Uh, he's the Enforcer friend uh, who, uh, like yeah. I said, minor spoiler, it comes an enemy. Um, getting into his head was interesting for me. Uh, and I, like I said, I wrote him as a, he is not honest at all. I don't make that explicitly clear. I try to hopefully give you enough to like really take that home, you know? I didn't i didn't quite nail it i'll admit i didn't master what i was going for but i do feel like he was still so interesting for me to write just seeing him go from like somebody we trust uh and look up to a little bit to somebody who's a little like he's just been completely brainwashed by the villain of the book uh and he thinks he's right the whole time that's that's another thing i love writing villains that like they never, no, no villain sees themselves as the villain ever, you know, right. and they will, they will die thinking they're the hero, <laughs> you know, kind yeah, of thing. And absolutely. Uh, uh, but yeah, Bayfo specifically, he might have been one of my favorite characters ever to write, and I know he didn't land with everybody, but I still love thinking about him, you know. Uh, and who else? So besides him, though, so that's the that's the controversial pick, right? Um, <laughs> but you know, like, and I think though, if you if you wrote a villain that
1: people don't like, you did your job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I just people, see, people did like say, the say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, Oh, well, you know, the, the thing I did here, uh, that made me smile and feel warm on the inside was that people were actively hating him, uh, which you're kind of, spo- you're supposed to, I think I, that's right. <laughs> you know, I'm no, no, no qualms with that reaction. Uh, yeah. but what they, uh, towards the very, very end of the book, they started to feel sad for him. And I'm like, yes, okay. <laughs> And like, I made you sad a little bit, and I made you feel <laughs> a little wrong, uh, but yeah, no, it's yeah, very very interesting. I, I'm trying to think of uh, like a, what I would say is uh, it, Nella probably is the other favorite character, just because it was so interesting getting into like you know learning about it. And like I said, I grew as a person uh, writing her, and I got to talk to so many cool people about that. Uh, and she is so cool. Like, it's one of those, like, characters that you have a plan and they are still following the plan, but seeing it, like, really just explode on the page, you're like, hell yeah. You know, like, uh, it's so, and, and they're still, like, images that flash in my head i'm like i gotta make a damn movie out of this <laughs> you know? and i or i just gotta animate a few of these scenes or, or like uh, i don't know if you may have seen on like twitter and instagram i i draw yeah. a lot um and i've yeah. always been that way like i said i used to draw little comic books of this stuff um but i have not done it with the characters from the song of kamaria because i had finished that trilogy and it's like still kind of my my heart is soft <laughs> You know, like, oh, I don't want to hurt them anymore, or I don't want to- <laughs> I feel like part of me is like, I gotta leave them alone, you know, kind of thing. Uh, they're they're done. They've put their stories put out. But I think I do got to start drawing some more stuff from that trilogy because it's uh, there's a lot in there that I love and that has changed me like, as a person and stuff. Oh uh, yeah, a lot of big moments too that would be cool to explore now that it's been out for a few years it, you know it's one of those like you feel yeah. like you can't talk about it at first because you're like oh i don't want to spoil it you know and mm-hmm. uh, especially with the third book because they're like oh i don't want to tell you what it's about because it's major spoilers but it's been out for like two years yeah. now it's got a lot of robots <laughs> and stuff in it it's cool, <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh but yeah
1: um so what can readers expect as they read your work and what kind of emotional impact do you hope to have on them
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Expect big action-y set pieces, very, very visual, you know, uh, kind of giant scenes. Uh, Epic is a played-out word, but, yeah, it works. Sprawling, I like to say, big, sprawling atmosphere type of thing. A lot of world-hopping, a lot of uh, hopefully something different that plays with ideas you've seen, but, you know, in a way that hopefully you're not expecting too much. And I hope, uh, I like to do the payoff, you know, like where I'm setting you up for something and I hope by the end of it, you are just like, wow, hell yeah, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and I don't know if to, that's, yep. <laughs> 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 I think that, that I had more, but I'm like, no, you know what, that's, that's good. That works. <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> so what, what can readers expect from you, net, from you next? What are you working on? Uh, oh, absolutely project?
0: <laughs> No, I'm resting on my <laughs> laurels for a little You're bit. You're done. Uh, no, so it's uh, it's one of those things that like I I try to focus 1,000% on whatever I'm writing. Uh, and then when it comes out, I, I kind of like, you know, I treat it for a little while. I, you know, get out in the world and do all that stuff. Uh, but until, uh, uh, you know, a spark will hit at some point, And I have a few little ones that I'm like, okay, maybe I might do. Uh, a Flowman Bobsy standalone novel that's like a prequel to Down Bull Beyond. Because the whole point of Down yeah. Bull Beyond is that it's a standalone novel. I did, which now I'm like, but I love those characters, so maybe it doesn't have. I mean, I'm the one that made that roll up. I don't have to do that. Um, but anyway, it, right. it, I mean, there might be a sequel one day. Well, actually, one reviewer said uh, it'd be cool to see other adventures in Load Space, but then circle back to this crew. And I'm like, that could happen potentially. Um, yeah. So at the moment, nothing concrete, but, you know, I got a okay. lot of little little tiny ideas that if one just, and I'm like, okay, got to do it for now, I will get writing.
1: <laughs> right. That's cool. Um, I like that you're leaving things open to return to the universe, though, because I think there's mm-hmm. definitely a lot of potential there.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah I, it was it was kind of the the mission, right? Like when I said, I'm like, okay, I want to make a new playground, and I do want to play in it, you know, like, uh, so yeah. it's there. <laughs> I just got to figure out what toys I want to move around inside of it now. Uh, And I'm even considering maybe doing a, uh, I do a lot of tabletop RPGs with my friends uh, and we have done, you know, multiple ones of, uh, you know, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff for the uninitiated, the uh, non-nerds out there. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But uh, I'm curious to maybe develop uh, a TTRPG, like lit RPG or whatever uh, in this load space setting could be interesting, or I might just do like a free for me kind of thing with my buddies and be like, maybe these are the characters we carry forward. And then down below Beyond can stay by itself and we do different characters. I don't know. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Anyway, this is more just kind of like up in the air, have no idea what I'm doing now.
1: (laughs) guess I'll focus on real
0: work. I suppose maybe my, my family, I guess, (laughs) whoever they are. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Very cool. So Tom, this is the greatest podcast in the multiverse. Can you tell us about how in a parallel universe, a different choice may have shaped another version of your life?
0: Oh yeah. Uh, Let's see if I, (laughs) if I didn't go to this bar one night and get really, really drunk. And then if I didn't answer a text message, uh from a friend that i barely had talked to in like six years uh then i would never have met my wife (laughs) and that i would probably not be writing books i'd probably still be living in chicago trying to figure out what to do next uh maybe doing commercials or something like that probably never would have worked on a movie or or even there you can even take the remember i said i uh had applied to be a maya generalist and then i just showed up for something called autumn frost if I just didn't yes. do that that day, if I didn't find that thing, I'd right. probably still just be in Chicago trying to figure crap out.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Wow. So I was like, yeah, no, there's a, there's a couple instances. The older you get, the more there are. <laughs> you know, exactly. You're like, oh, yes. how am I here? There what really did I are. do to get here? You know. Definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's it, it,
1: and that And, you know, that's the whole, that was really the whole point behind that question because, you know, as you get older, like I'm in my 40s now, and I think, you know, like there's so many things that if I – for some reason fixated on something else 10 years ago, I could have went in a completely different direction. And, you know, those, yeah. you know, and something, you know, I, I really like the story of um, Autumn Frost. I like that story because at the time you had no idea what you were showing up for. I didn't even and, know what previous was.
0: And now, <laughs> you're, and now you're in California
1: career. because of that choice. Yeah, uh-huh. that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I love it. I love oh, it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tom, for um, for joining me today. I really enjoyed our time together. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you?
0: Oh, yes. Well, thank you for having me. This was awesome. I had such a fun time here. Uh, and I, you can find me on uh, whatever the state of social media is these days. But I'm at T A Bruno author, uh, all one word uh, on pretty much everything. Uh, I, I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Threads. Twitter, whatever that's called now. Uh, even a little bit of YouTube. You can uh, YouTube, I don't do too much. I kind of put my... It's a hub for the book trailers and stuff I've made, which, if you want to see those, those are pretty cool. Um, yeah, and then I got a website at uh, tabruno.com, nice and easy. Uh, and that's got a lot of, you know, if you, want to, if you want to buy any of the books, there's all the links there. There's also reviews uh, that other people have done that I get in there. And, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. <laughs>
1: Very cool. Well, thank you once again. I really enjoyed our time together. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed my chat with T.A. Bruno. If you did, hit that like and subscribe button. It really helps the channel out a lot. Please join me next week when I chat with Laura Juntinen. You may recognize that name best from her previous podcast called Read It With Whiskey. Um, I was lucky enough to be interviewed on her podcast while it was still going she decided to take a step back from that to focus on her writing we talk all about that next week and we also talk about her series the the shockwave series and her new prequel novella the fall that novel releases next week as well we chat all about it i hope you join us take care bye now thank you for joining me if you enjoyed the show like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app or on youtube you can find me on facebook and instagram at greatest podcast in the multiverse as well you can help support the show by supporting me on patreon for as little as five dollars a month you can get early access to the show as well as submit your questions for my upcoming guests i hope to see you next time bye now